Hello, hello, Heat Nation. Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. Thank you for checking in, even when we're down 1-3. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team. They're still in the NBA Finals, not dead yet, the Miami Heat. I'm still bouncing back and forth a little bit between, I guess, positive and negative. Overall, I'm going to be positive, because I'm always going to be positive. I mean, we're just talking sports at the end of the day. But still, a bit of a disappointing loss. We'll go through that, and then, as usual, we'll look ahead to both uh, Game 5 and 6 in a way, uh, just because a little bit of a personal thing. I am going on a family vacation for the next week, and debated a bit back and forth whether or not I could bring my gear, but ultimately I decided I needed the vacation. I've just worked myself quite hard (laughs) over what ended up being a very long postseason Uh, For good reason. I will gladly take it. I will gladly take Miami going to the finals. But just for this specific part, um, I'll be on vacation for the next week. So hopefully Miami can pull out game five, pull out game six, and then I'll be back to preview game seven next week. Otherwise, uh, (laughs) it'll be a moratorium show where we'll be recapping the Heat season as a whole. But let's jump into it, though. Game four at Miami last night. Miami lost 95 to 108. Still a very familiar looking score overall because, like, you just look at Miami's losses this season. They're all in the 90s versus 100s. So that, that part at least has been pretty consistent. Uh, for the rotation part of it, though, Miami went with the same starting lineup, going effectively eight deep in this game. Cody Zeller did still pick up a four and a half minute stint in the first half, but Bam Adebayo played the entire second half, so no Zeller there. And then Haywood Highsmith got all of three seconds in the first half. So those two cut out. Second half was just an eight-man rotation as the Heat, obviously playing for their lives, put put that point of emphasis on there. And then for the Nuggets, they went with the same eight-man rotation, no playing around with like any Reggie Jackson minute or two here or there. Nah, they went with their eight. Makes sense that they, they, they keep that eight, especially after Christian Brown's great game in Game 3. So... Call that one. They kept going with eight. For the recap itself, a putrid offensive start by Miami. Did not see them break 10 points until there was three minutes left in the first. And yet, they had done a good enough job mucking things up for the Nuggets that it was still within reach. Miami closed out the first quarter on a 10-2 run to actually take a one-point lead at the end of the first. So, again, terrible start, but... Not feeling too bad, because at least you got the lead. Start of the second, though, Nikola Jokic goes to the bench. Hey, Miami, here's your opportunity to capitalize on those non-Jokic minutes. Nah. Instead, Aaron Gordon, as the small ball five, comes alive and keeps the game tied at 30 when Nikola Jokic comes back in. Very disappointing for Miami. Denver takes the lead not too long after that. Pushes it at as high as nine throughout the second quarter before Miami does a good job closing, as they did at the end of the first quarter, closing it to four at halftime. So, game still in reach, all things considered. Third quarter, Miami's offense came out and just dropped a third quarter, as they have frequently done, especially in this series. Uh, At parts, Kevin Love was the one keeping the offense afloat, which kind of tells you everything you need to know about how the offense went through this game as a whole. I think it was like a eight or nine straight point run for Kevin Love. Ridiculous. Denver, though, 
were not uh, dissuaded by what Kevin Love was doing, pushing their lead up to double digits and getting it as high as 13 going into the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter comes around. I, I feel like it's, it's almost like Groundhog Day. You just keep kind of repeating the same script. Fourth quarter comes around. Miami's offense comes alive somehow. They go on an 8-0 run to cut the lead down to 5. During that 8-0 run, they actually managed to pick up 2 fouls on Jokic to get him at 5 fouls. So Jokic is out of the game. It, th- this was the inflection point. This was the inflection point where Miami could have arguably turned this series around. Sadly, they could not capitalize on it again. Denver is still up nine by the time that Jokic comes back in with four minutes left. From there, oddly enough, it's the Bruce Brown show as he just salts the earth. Miami cannot make up the deficit. They just cannot get enough offense, failing to break 100 as they lose 95 to 108 and drop into a 1-3 hole one game away from elimination. Takeaways from this game now, and I'm going to try to build these up to, I guess, kind of a thesis statement at the end of this. Uh, first one, Denver got the big role player night last night. Again, <laughs> Aaron Gordon, a game-high 27 points on 11-15 from the field, 3-4 from three-point range, dropped 15 points in the second quarter to help Denver, you know, go from you know, right around even with Miami to having a solid lead. He was a phenomenal backup five for the Denver Nuggets whenever Jokic had to go to the bench and, and was a big reason why that Miami failed to capitalize on those non-Jokic minutes. And really the thing that, that sticks in my mind was just how he was hitting shots Miami wanted him to make. It has been a point of emphasis for Miami's defense to funnel shots to Aaron Gordon, whether that's like above the break threes, maybe in the corner, like, you know, tough mid-range. Again, the kind of things you want him to take, and he was nailing them. In that kind of situation, it's not much you can do. Like, literally, they're doing what you want him to do, and he's just punishing you for it. So, got to tip the hat. After that, uh, Bruce Brown... 21 points on 8 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from three-point range, 11 points in the fourth quarter, most of those down the stretch, just to keep Miami at at more than arm's length around double digits. Uh, again, got to give Bruce Brown a lot of credit. And while Miami did get some solid performances from their role players, uh, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, Kayla Martin, Kevin Love, all finished in double digits. They all barely finished. They were all low 10s. Nothing in the 20s like the kind of performances uh, Denver was getting. And then, more specifically, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess were particularly bad for Miami. They ended up getting kind of a short hook in the second half. The, the two of them finished two points combined on 1 of 10 from the field. And just taking a step back from this part now, this has been a consistent thing throughout this series Denver has just been getting the better role-player performances. You look at Christian Brown in Game 3. Tonight you look at Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown. That's two games. That swings a series. So Denver with the consistently getting better role-player performances. Next takeaway, Nuggets still getting enough from their stars. Uh, Nikola Jokic, 23 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, and 3 blocks. So... Just great defensive performance by him. What was crazy, though, he injured his ankle in, I think, the first quarter. 
and pretty much just switch to being like a long-range artillery bomber on offense, like just chucking up threes, or on defense just waiting for somebody to come in, you know, swing at the ball. That's how he got his steals. Just be a big body. That's how he got his blocks. So even though the ankle was injured, even though we got five fouls, and three turnovers off of Jokic. Like, that, that's a little bit of what, what we want. Get him in foul trouble. Limit his assists. He only finished with four assists. Get him to, to turn the ball over, three turnovers. Like, that, that's a good ratio of turnovers to assists for Miami. But it just didn't matter. <laughs> Defensively, he did good enough. Offensively, he still did good enough. He's been, without a doubt, I think, the best player in this series. After Jokic, so the other star, obviously, Jamal Murray... Still finished with a good enough stat line, 15 points, 3 rebounds, 12 assists, so got a double-double. I saw a stat that was along the lines of, like, he's had double-digit assists in every single game this series, which is incredible and goes to show he has just been a really great playmaker. Despite injuring his hand um, last in Game 3, I should probably mention that. He got, like, a floor burn or something like that, ended up having a wrap on it. So Despite it, though, just like with Jokic, Still did good enough on offense and defense. Made some timely buckets for the Nuggets. Still did his playmaking. It was good enough. And then on Miami side, Bam Adebayo, 12, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, a block. Absolutely great defense on Jokic, all things considered, while only getting one foul himself. That I didn't even believe that when I first saw it. But the other thing I didn't believe, and this is where it was the bad part of Bam's game, team high seven turnovers that is just that's just it's just way too many and some of them was the bad dribbling some of them was miscommunication hey i thought you were going to stay in the corner oh you end up cutting inside ah but i passed out to the corner nobody's there anymore it went out of bounds turnover so not quite in sync just not quite as honed in with the ball security part of it and then Jimmy Butler, 25 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Did shoot over 50% from the field, but it... I mean, it sounds bad because it's 25, 7, and 7. That's like all... I think that's like a few points shy of a typical LeBron James, like, prime stat line kind of thing. But in this context, it just wasn't enough. We needed Jimmy to be over 30, closer to 40. He was in the mid-20s. It just wasn't the kind of nuclear performance we needed from him. So, when you take a step back, these are the four best players in the series to each side, right? Jokic Murray for the Nuggets, Bam Jimmy for the Heat. The problem, though, Jokic has clearly been number one amongst those four. And then Jamal Murray has been varying between two and four, depending upon the night, right? Like, game three, he had a 30-point triple-double. It's really hard not to argue he wasn't the second best. Maybe tonight, with just 15 points, three rebounds, 12 assists, you say, eh, he's closer to the fourth best player. He didn't even break 20 points. And that's fair. But it's still been close enough over the course of this series that Miami has been at a disadvantage, considering that, again, Jokic has been the best player. The Heat have been at a disadvantage at the star player perspective as well. Next takeaway, again, got to give the Nuggets some credit. They had a really great game plan and got Miami out of a bunch of the out of a bunch of the battles the Heat typically want or actually do win. So, for example, the big one I've har- harped on over and over throughout the entire playoffs has been the turnover battle for Miami, and they just got blasted last night. 
They lost a turnover battle 14-6, to which both shows how sloppy Miami was with the ball. And hey, side note, 14 turnovers, half of those were from Bam, which is why, again, how just how unfortunate it was that he just didn't have a good handle last night. And then the other part of that obviously being only six turnovers from the Nuggets. Well, I guess now that I think about it, half of the Nuggets turnovers did come from Jokic as well, three out of six. But it's a little bit different <laughs> in terms of scale. Uh, back to the point, though, being only six turnovers Miami forced out of Denver. That is... That is not what they want in either direction. They typically want to win. They wanted to win this like eight to twelve, eight to fourteen, something like that. Instead, they lose fourteen to six, and then obviously uh, lose points off of turnovers eight to seventeen. That was another area that Miami was typically winning because they would have the turnover advantage. Uh, next part: three point shooting. This was a huge area focus for Miami throughout the playoffs and in, in this series as well. They lost the three point shooting shooting 8 of 25, good for 32%, to Denver's 14 of 28, good for 50%. And kind of like with the turnovers, that it shows both ways, right? Miami, like 32% is bad, and then only getting 25 attempts up is bad. (laughs) Miami typically wants to be closer to mid to high 30s, and they wanted to be around 40%. They failed both of those. And then conversely for Denver, 28 is around how many they've had per game this series but the 50% shooting on that was just brutal and again quite a number of those came from like an Aaron Gordon or a Bruce Brown where those are shots that Miami is trying to funnel them to take because they think that they're going to miss them fortunately they didn't last night and that ends up being a huge difference because of that but the three-point shooting battle was something that Miami typically won in games that they've won that didn't go their way and that was another big factor for why they lost after that, Miami did keep free throw shooting close uh, this time. Arguably, they even got a more friendly whistle with, with some uh, fouls that they sold, I will say lightly, on Jokic in particular, especially that fifth one that he picked up. I know some people were grieving online about that. But still, even with a more home-friendly whistle last night, he couldn't really separate themselves at the free throw line going 17 of 20 themselves to Denver 16 of 21. So again, just that stays close. And I think like you take these three things together and you get to this last part as well. From the field, Miami 35 of 78, good for 45%, to Denver's 39 of 79, good for 49%. And where I'm going with this is typically when Miami is playing a team that has a more efficient offense than them, they try to gunk things up and essentially just outpossess their opponent. And that usually shows up either in extra field goal attempts or extra free throw attempts. We got neither of those tonight, in large part because Miami lost a turnover battle. And then though they did win the rebounding battle, they only won it by plus three, so that wasn't enough to make a big possession difference. So that, when you combine it with Miami shooting worse from three-point range than Denver, makes sense why they lost this game as well. They're just throughout this, and this is another thing throughout the series. They just are not getting those wins on the margins that they were in previous series. Last takeaway before the thesis statement Denver, arguably with as good, if not better, coaching than Miami, which this is not a dig on Spo. He is still very clearly one of the best coaches in the league. It's just recognizing that Michael Malone is up there as well. Uh, he is. 
the fourth longest tenured head coach uh, outside of Greg Popovich, Eric Spolstra, and Steve Kerr, all multiple championship winning head coaches. And Michael Malone looking like he will be joining them very soon. At the very least, Malone is not making the mistakes that Eric Spolster was able to capitalize on in previous series. You look specifically like first round series against the Bucks, against Budenholzer, they were able to attack that drop scheme. And then they also had Giannis injured uh, throughout part, uh, you know, most of the series for what? Yeah, first three games. He came back game four or five, looked healthy enough, I still think. But in that series, Miami had a coaching and then arguably a star player advantage with the combination of Jimmy going nuclear and Giannis out for most of that. Uh, the second round series against the Knicks, maybe not necessarily a coaching advantage. Thibs, decently enough, but like Miami definitely had a more talented team. I, I don't think there's any question about that. And then against the Celtics, definitely had the coaching and mentality advantage, and that ended up playing up. That That's just not here as well, because... Again, a big credit to Michael Malone. He has had his team locked in and just with a great game plan. So just, yeah, just overall, he's done a great job matching Spolstra. And I think now we can kind of see where the thesis statement for this all is. It's just, it really does feel like the walls are closing up against Miami. They are, they're going up against a team where the role players are, are performing better than them. The star players are performing better than them. The coaching is neutral to better. They're not getting the wins on the margins that they were before. Denver just isn't leaving any openings for Miami to exploit. And that's been the the key to this entire run, has been exploiting what the opponent has been giving them. Denver has just played like a better team, and they have left no openings. It's no surprise to me, then, that they're up 1-3. Still for Miami, though, it is a best-of-four series. That is the one thing we can hold on to hope. Miami's down 1-3, yes, but they're not dead yet. Moving on now, let's take a little bit of time and just... I guess at this point, we just had to talk about what the remainder of this series uh, will look like. As usual, let's just take a quick look at the injury report. Tyler Hero was out for Game 4. Uh, while there is nothing listed currently for Game 5, at, at this point, I don't think he's coming back. You would be trying to knock off rest in an elimination game that, uh, may, unless maybe Spolster just wants to go crazy and just be like, you know what, we got nothing to lose, really. We need offense somewhere, so throw Hero out there. I, I, ju- I just don't see it at this point. I think you just have to go with the guys that got you there, and they'll, I'll just leave it at that. For the Nuggets side of things, their rotation still fully healthy. Uh, at best, maybe Jokic is a little bit hobbled with the ankle injury. It, and he looks fine to me throughout the course of the game, so I'm not going to bank too much on that. Looking ahead now, Game 5 at Denver Monday night, and should Miami win Game 6 at Miami Thursday? What's at stake is very easy. You win Game 5, you force a home Game 6, and, and you get a little momentum, and then you have the home crowd on your side for Game 6. Maybe you can show them a home win this playoff series. That would be really nice. And then if you force, I mean, sorry, if you win game six, you force a winner take all game seven at Denver. And then my impression usually is like game sevens can kind of go either way. Lose though, any of these games, and the series is over. <laughs> the season's over, and Denver is crowned the champion. As for what Miami can do, honestly, the stuff I have here is the stuff that I've been saying for the last game or two anyway. Mirror Bam to Jokic. 
or at the very least, only take Bam off when Jokic is off, so that way you don't have to worry about playing Cody Zeller. Because the whole reason why Cody Zeller, even this time, got minutes was to give Bam a little bit of rest and then have Zeller bang up against Jokic in those last few minutes. Zeller, I do think he has, has given some solid defensive minutes. It is it's just typically the problem of he just I don't think he provides enough on offense, and I think Miami could be better suited if they go uh, five out or they go small with like Highsmith or Love. And that's the next one. If Bam is mirrored, you don't need any Zeller, so you can go Highsmith or Love. Match what Denver is doing. They're they're going small with like Aaron Gordon at the five. I think you can match that with a Highsmith or maybe even a Love, who for the most part Love has done a somewhat effective job on uh, Gordon throughout this series. And then in general, I still think that you could find some more minutes for Highsmith. I mean, we did see this when Miami was put in an elimination in game seven against Boston, where they cut out the Zeller minutes and they went Highsmith at the five. Though again, a little bit of a different series, Boston more wing heavy, Denver more front court heavy. So maybe that ends up being the difference to Spo. I still think it's worth it for whatever me, the unprofessional with the untrained eye, has to say about it. At the very least, I don't think it can hurt much more than what Zeller's done anyway. Uh, defensively, I, I'm still consistently impressed that this Heat team has held Denver under 110 every game this series. The problem has always been their offensive end. I mean, again, you, it is so easy to just look at the final scores of this game and, and just kind of come to that conclusion, right? Every game Miami's lost a series, they've been in the 90s versus Denver's been in the 100s. The one game that they won, Miami got to 111 points. They had good enough offensive production. That, that's the key to it. The problem, though, is the only way I see Miami having enough offense at this point, because Denver has locked in defensively. Always have to give them that credit. So the only way I see Miami scoring enough offense is to either have an absurd shooting performance like they had game two, where they shot like 49% from three on good volume, or a miracle happens and Jimmy Ankle is fine and he can drop a 40 bomb and just be the, the Jimmy Butler world eater that we had been hoping to see <laughs> since the first round. But at this point, I, I just don't see it. Not a knock on Jimmy at all. I know, I know men- mentally he's giving everything he has. It is, just doesn't seem like his body is right with, with the ankle injury. Uh, for the Nuggets side of things, I mean, they're just going to keep on keeping on. They're up 3-1. Why would you really want to change much of anything until until you're forced to otherwise? So I don't expect too much out of them. Really, I, I, I think it just comes down to that. Can Miami get enough offense to, to make this competitive in Game 5? Uh, obviously, I really hope that Miami can win Game 5, win Game 6, force game seven i hope i'm back here next saturday talking about how crazy this is that miami is too straight and has a chance to go up with the 2016 cavaliers to be the first team to come back 3-1 i legitimately 100 percent want that to happen i cannot emphasize that enough that's my number one thing however if that ends up not being the case if miami does drop either five or six i think there is no shame in losing to this denver nuggets team They've been historically great throughout these playoffs. They're led by a two-time MVP, a guy that's almost certainly at this point going to go down as one of the best players in NBA history, a great head coach, a great 
supporting cast for the most part a great fan base i haven't i haven't seen too much hate or animosity be, uh, from the denver nuggets fans online so again i just i i can't be mad i can't be mad at the nuggets if they end up winning this i'll be bums don't get me wrong there but i won't be mad right like in a day even if miami ends up losing i'm still going to be smiling uh to slightly tweak uh, a famous phrase death smiles at us all all we can do is smile back I'll be back next Saturday either to preview Game 7, which is, again, what I hope I'm doing, or to talk about what an incredible run Miami ended up having in the 2023 uh, playoffs. I do thank you for hanging around today, though. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod at Heaters Heating and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell. Also, check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball, getting into the offseason stuff. Miami might not be too far behind them. Links for everything are in the show notes as usual. I'll be back next Saturday. Until then, win or lose, have a great week, Heat Nation.